Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. excited about this episode. For many, many years, when sharing what matrescence is, it is often asked of me, but what about dads? Is there something called patrescence? Do fathers go through the massive identity shifts that we talk about in matrescence? Do dads struggle with the transition into parenthood like women do? And my answer has always been, well, yes, but that's not my area of expertise. And so when I heard that PANDA, the Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia organisation here in Australia, had new and really important data on how fathers are feeling about the transition into parenthood and how COVID-19 has affected them, I really wanted to get them on my podcast as quickly as possible. This conversation is with the CEO of Panda, Julie Bornenkoff. And I have to say, I will never forget what she shared with me in this conversation. My understanding of what happens to a father is deeper. My compassion for the men that are also just trying to figure this out is much deeper. Yes, there's a lot we need to change for mothers so much. But when you hear what Julie has to say and the insights into how dads are feeling about this too, you'll realise it's broken for dads too, especially in the middle of a pandemic, especially when we're asking fathers to step up and be more involved and do more than ever before, but we're not really asking them how they're feeling about it. If you have a man in your life who would like to listen to this interview as well, please forward it to him today. And you can get more details about how we can support men differently through fatherhood at panda.org.au or their website that focuses specifically on fathers, housedadgoing.org.au. Here's Julie. Is the Happy Mama Movement, a weekly podcast 
dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age. I'm Amy Taylor Cabaz, author, mama, and former journalist. After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be Superwoman, I realized that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me, and since then have dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honour motherhood differently. Julie, thank you so much for joining the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm really looking forward to this conversation and insights into fathers and dads at the moment. Thanks so much for having me. It's such an important topic area. It really is. I've been researching and working with mamas for more than seven years now, and it is always a conversation that comes up. If we understand the transition to motherhood can be a complete identity change for a woman, what about the dads, Amy? Is there a similar experience for the fathers? And my answer has always been, yes, I'm sure there has. It's just not my area of expertise. So Mm -hmm. I know that your work at Panda doesn't just focus on mothers. So what do we understand about the transition to fatherhood through your work so far? Yeah, so what we do know statistically is that, you know, in Australia at this time, about one in five women experience or mums experience perinatal depression or anxiety. But more importantly, what we also know is that one in 10 dads um, also experience their own form of perinatal anxiety um, or depression. And that's you know, as we know of it, um, you know, within the context of mental health more broadly, whether it's in Australia or the world, we know that there is most definitely an under-recognition and reporting of mental health and vulnerability in men um, as a result of, you know, historically not having a way of talking about it that connects, you know, in an emotional or a practical way with the, the male's experience. Um, of their vulnerability. So we, we do also recognise that it's underreported. And we also know that the conversations, you know, in Australia about men's mental health and wellbeing during the perinatal period haven't really been there. You know, it's been an increasing area that Panda's been trying to talk to and talk about over the last, you know, five uh, years, you know, um, and we're getting better and louder at doing that. But up till now, we know that there hasn't been a lot of talk about the experience of men in that period. And there should be because it is so important. And really, when I think about it, in the last few decades, you know, since I was a baby and my dad's role was clearly defined, we're asking men to be very different fathers than their own fathers were. We're almost expecting and demanding them to be more involved, to be more um, attached, to be more, you know, physically, emotionally available for their children, more than their own fathers ever would have been in most cases. And yet we're not putting any support around that or acknowledging what that means for them. 
Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you just have to have a look at some of the visual, you know, depictions of families and men in parenting, you know, and the sort of idealised approach that many of those, you know, frame for men. Um, and then, you know, we don't have that sort of how to, for any of us as men or women, how to be a parent or how to get to that sort of end state. We know that, you know, we can really set both men and women up for failure in the parenting context by placing too much of a myth around uh, what men need to be in that time. And I think, you know, we don't have conversations uh, more broadly about that sort of near enough is good enough approach to parenting and the fact that, you know, we do expect men still to hold roles. There is still a self-expectation that we hear from our callers who are male around, you know, that sort of quasi-role of wanting to be there to support their partner, the, the mum, um, you know, or the, their same-sex partner in that experience. So they're wanting to be there to support them. They're wanting to be there to flag and acknowledge vulnerability in their partner. Um, they're needing to, in most instances, traverse a workplace. Um, and then their own mental health and well-being comes sort of way down the track of all of those competing pressures. So, uh, you know, there's still very much a, a tricky space for men to navigate in terms of their own sense of self-identity. Um, and we also know that, you know, being a parent and a new parent, if you haven't had a bub before, really is all about experience and getting confident in your skills and your abilities and your connection with your baby and your partner um, and for men, that's really disrupted quite often because they are still working in the workplace and their paternal leave is very limited when we consider, you know, a lot of the maternal leave. And it's still not the norm for men to be taking significant periods of leave or able to be taking significant periods of leave generally, let alone with the COVID overlay as we're experiencing now. Yes, we'll talk specifically about what COVID-19 has meant for all of this in a mm. moment. But... As my listeners know, my biggest focus is on matrescence, on this transformation of a woman's identity when she becomes a mother and how uh, much we've missed this transition in the way we support mothers and yep. uh, the pressure that she's under to be more than she is able to be at times mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not acknowledge the changes within her. And then when I hear you speak about this with fathers, I'm like, is there something called patrescence? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> there should be, shouldn't there? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Look, you know, I mean, as a clinical psychologist myself and somebody who came late to parenting and wasn't, you know, a maternal person in, in the lead up to having my child until she was placed on me and that, that overwhelming sense of kick had happened, which, you know, I know for some doesn't happen. I, I really do feel that that, you know, the identity that we carry that wraps around us and our families um, is so fundamental in terms of giving it space and giving it pace to build and develop. Um, and I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, there has to be an assumption that men need to develop confidence in and be able to make space in their existing life story to be able to embrace their role as a father. And that doesn't just happen with the flick of a switch. Mm, I love the way that you've said make space in their life story for being a father. Can you talk mm. to me about that? Because that's just given me goosebumps. I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I believe, and, you know, it's probably a bit of a metaphorical way of speaking that we all have a life story. And in owning the fact that we have a life story, there are both things that happen to us 
when we're prepared for them sometimes and sometimes when we're not. And there are things that happen to us when we're completely unprepared for them. And I think that, you know, the the beauty of seeing your life as a life story is that you're not an innocent bystander in it, but an active participant in it who can at times write their own story. So as you move forward, you know, we quite often become subjects or, you know, um, victims of our, our life circumstance at times, especially when we're bogged and I'm reflecting Mm. on my own experience of COVID and home parenting at the moment and running Mm -hmm. a business. Um, But, you know, we can also choose to say, well, I'm not going to uh, dwell on that, but I'm also going to actively try and write and change the way I experience this moment. So I think, you know, for parents, we often go into parenting, especially if you're a new parent and not done it before. We know that the experience of our callers are that, you know, for many it happens when it's unexpected. Sometimes people fight for a long time to become parents. But either way, nobody knows what that experience is going to be like until the moment they find themselves within it. So I think, you know, we are sort of active participants in life, but we're also, you know, victims of circumstance when it comes to our own bodies and that experience. So making space, I think, is really important because if you don't make space and stop and reflect and consider whether or not, you know, you want to be the way you're being in that, you know, development of identity, then you really can struggle with it. So Mm. making space to be a dad or a mum, whether it's new or repeat, you know, or a new version of a dad or a mum because it's your second child or whatever is really important. It really is. I was interested in some of the statistics that your that Panda have gathered over um, Dad's experience of becoming Dad, um, mm. becoming a father. In particular, the statistics on how many dads feel they will be a terrible dad before mm. they become dads. Can yeah. you share that? Because that's really interesting. Yeah, look, I think we know that about 60 to 63% of dads, you know, feel that they're going to be terrible fathers. Um, and that is so sad when you start to have a think about how that sets people up to develop that relationship um, and how actively they're going to want to participate in it, um, especially if they have limited time and ability because, you know, you need that time to sit with it and none of us like to sit with discomfort. So, um, you know, I think it's really tragic to, to hear that dads have that preconceived ideal but you know in many ways so would women when we question them um it's a really hard space and I think you know interestingly not many people think that they're going to fly into being a parent and just Mm. be a complete success at it um for the first time and you know unfortunately I think the data also shows us that not only does that you know the people who struggle with the concept of being a dad or in becoming a dad in actuality not only did they struggle with that sort of self-identity stuff, but they also then, uh, you know, feel it impacting on their relationship. And we know that, you know, 60 to 80% of people on our helplines and surveyed through our national uh, mental health checklist also experience significant distress in their relationships and their feeling of being able to connect with their partner. Um, and for, you know, any of us that have been through that and, and do have, you know, partners that we value in that space, that that takes nurturing and feeding. And um, so for people to feel so displaced in, you know, their own emergent identity, but also then in how they engage with the people who are usually their anchors in life, um, it's, it's a hard road. It really is. 
What can we do differently, Julie? Because when I hear those statistics, and I'm not surprised, I've been listening to mummers for so many years, thousands of mummers have gone through my programs, that I would think it would be around 80%, that 60 mm. to 80% struggle in their relationship. Um, mm. My experience would be it's up there at the 80%. This is... What do we do differently here to support both the mummers, of course, but also the dads, because if they're silently going through their own massive identity questioning Mm. and shifts as well, then you've got two people in the middle of sleep deprivation and figuring out how to keep this baby alive who are Mm -hmm. absolutely needing something else. Yeah. Look, we completely agree. And, you know, one of the things that we've been really excited about this year is that um, we managed to get a Commonwealth grant around men's health promotion, um, which hadn't happened for Panda as an organisation in the past, and there hasn't been a lot of perinatal mental health support work done in the health promotion and prevention area. Mm. Um, and, you know, for us, that's not just about creating new resources, but really doing some collaborative co-design with men mm. um, to talk about messaging and to talk about the experience and what the experience does look and feel like because I think we make assumptions that, you know, the language we use around mental health and vulnerability, you know, in the Australian context applies to everyone and that whilst, you know, from a clinical point of view, we still use the same tools to, you know, analyse somebody's vulnerability, we know that men don't connect with the same words that women do. We know that men don't connect with the same pictures women do, uh, you know, so we really do need to think in this country differently about how we portray men in parenting and we need to think about how we talk about the experience of both joy and vulnerability in that process so that we are able to have a more authentic conversation about what that looks and feels like and also open up those times when it doesn't look and feel good. Um, So I think, you know, firstly we need to be using different language and acknowledging that it doesn't all look and feel the same. Um, And I think, too, the things that we always hear on the helpline when we're talking about uh, familial or partner, you know, conflict or disruption is that we look for the right time to have those conversations and, you know, feel we need the right words to have those. And I think, you know, I, I often talk about it in the context of a jigsaw puzzle. You know, when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle... You need all the pieces to be on the table. It doesn't really matter if they're facing up or down or whether they're in the right order. You just need the pieces to be on the table. And I think we need to get more comfortable with having a conversation at any point and putting all of the pieces out there for our partners um, Mm. so that we can at least muddle through and try to create the picture, you know, or, or create the positive space uh, to work together and, and reform a partnership around, and wrap around your new bub um, as much as possible. So I think, you know, trying not to look for the ideal times, especially when being a new parent, is really important. Um, you know, trusting the flags. I think that when we are disrupted, and as you said before, Amy, you know, when your self-identity is disrupted, um, you start not to trust your gut. Um, you know, and I think that we need to remind ourselves that dads are as displaced as mums yes. in that experience and not just trying to navigate a home life with a new baby where they're still trying to not get in the way but also be there and be everything to their partner. 
Um, but they're also in that space of navigating, you know, uh, and tiredness and fatigue and all of those things in a workplace and trying to hold down jobs. So, you know, we also need to be trusting our guts and our flags. And if something doesn't feel right, reaching out for help um, and understanding that that help can be in many places. You know, it doesn't just have to be in a mental health or a a physical health setting like a GP or, Mm. you know, calling Panda. It can be just reaching out to your mate. Um, you know, Panda was really pleased to do a, a um, campaign earlier for Men's Health Week this year with the Electricians Trade Union. Um, and, you know, we had Panda's logo all over a whole lot of hoodies and toolbox wow. stickers and stuff because we just saw that it was such a need to start to make it okay for men to ask each other how they're going in that space. And if you do know somebody, you know, who is a new dad or is about to be a new dad, just checking in to make sure they look after themselves. Um, Should we be having dad's groups, like the mother's groups? Should we be having father's groups as almost, not mandatory, but something that is so commonly organised that is there as part of the early service so you can get these dads together and have conversations and flag the things that we need to. We do it for mothers. Why don't we do it for fathers? Yeah, look, most definitely. And we know that there are a number of dads groups around Australia that operate and operate successfully. I think, you know, again, it's not the norm for men to congregate and meet in that way and talk about their experience. But we almost need to make it the norm so therefore they're (laughs) not embarrassed to go, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, most definitely, you know. And we know that there's a whole lot of uh, research in Australia about, you know, men's health and wellbeing groups and centering them around other things like, you know, men's shed for older men and mm. um, different ways of working and creating things with their hands and then having bigger conversations and things. So I think, you know, there's no right or wrong to how you do it, but I completely agree. We do need to make it okay um, for men to get together and bounce off each other, you know, mm. and to share those experiences. And it's, you know, it's always bizarre that we are so far behind in what is a mandated approach, essentially, for, you know, council local councils to be having mums groups. And it's just a natural pathway that's expected. And we know now through COVID that it is expected that you will go through your child health nurse visits and then be, you know, fed off into a mums group. So why is it that dads? aren't also, you know, getting fed off into that. And again, it's all, you know, in the moment. We know that dads aren't generally screened for mental health Mm. um, during that period unless they are the attendant at the child health visits. Mm. And that as well is really problematic because they're the support, they're operating behind the scenes in many cases but not getting exposure to screening and support. Wow. So what has COVID-19 shown us about how fathers are coping? What is the Mm. data and insight that you've been able to gather around what's happening to our dads through this time? Yeah, look, I think it's changed the face of our callers. So historically we've had, you know, whilst Panda has large volume and, you know, we can't ever make the demand for the callers that are uh, reaching out to us or the people that are completing our mental health checklist online, um, you know, we have always had a stable but not an, a large number of men that call our, our service. Um, and what we have experienced is that those who used to call were predominantly calling about their partners 
and how to support their partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and during COVID, we have seen an increase and, you know, a significant increase in the number of men calling and that those men are calling more about themselves. And interestingly, we've had grandparents, you know, grandfathers ringing about how to support their sons and daughters during COVID because they can't be there face-to-face to support them and help through that sort of early stage. Um, and the issues that people are presenting with as a result of COVID really do mirror what we see in the news. So when in March when COVID was first emerging, we had a, a significant increase and we were coming off the back of the Australian bushfires where we had experienced, you know, a 5 to 10% increase in the number of callers that were ringing us both those who were directly affected by bushfires and bushfire-affected areas, but also those who were just really struggling with what they were seeing on the news. Mm. Um, so that was sort of we are already in a heightened space and then our figures immediately jumped up to another 20 25% in terms of callers that were predominantly calling through distress for COVID. Um, and then we were lucky enough to receive a Commonwealth grant which allowed us to extend our service capacity um, and make that demand, which we were really thankful for, um, and started monitoring data directly related to COVID. And at the time, we had 46% of all of our callers were calling as a result of COVID, um, which was fascinating, that being the trigger, not being, you know, having a baby so much, but really that COVID was putting them under distress and making them feel that they couldn't engage with the whole birthing process or their pregnancy. Um, And it's been ongoing in terms of the distress that people have been experiencing. Most of that distress has been more recently as a result of uh, lockdowns and shutouts in, you know, having babies. So dad's not being allowed in... Um, you know, birthing suites or not being allowed to return following the birth of the baby to visit um, and, you know, then having limited engagement. And the other piece that we've seen through the helpline as a result of COVID is that people are getting discharged from their maternity hospitals really rapidly, so generally within six hours. Um, and for birth is sort of quite normal and if they've had a Caesar, then, you know, two to four days post-season, which usually you would expect, you know, to be a lot longer. Um, So that's had a massive impact, not just on, you know, people generally and their their feeling of capacity and physical, you know, recuperation after a birth for mums, but also on the couple's experience of things like, you know, lactation consultants and, um, sleep settling and all of those wonderful things that, you know, the staff within hospitals teach us over those few days that we're generally there um, are really lacking for people. So they're coming home, we're getting calls a lot earlier. So usually we would expect to have uh, people call us about four weeks post the birth of their baby um, if they haven't already called us during pregnancy. And what we are experiencing now is very young babies, so four days post-birth is generally when people are calling us to say they're really struggling, Um, which is just so sad because that's, you know, such an important time when people would generally be be supported by home visits and the like from their child maternal health nurses. Oh, that's such a worry, Julie. I feel like I coined a term a few weeks back, um, post-pandemic depletion, this idea (laughs) of 
you know, even when life goes back to normal and who knows when that's going to be now, we have to acknowledge that there's going to be a deep level of depletion and exhaustion and mm. um, processing that we're all going to need to go through after what mm. we've been confronted with and if your children are a bit older homeschooling on top of everything that we're really going to have to acknowledge that this isn't just going to be a great COVID's gone let's go back to life we're going to have to acknowledge the depletion there and when I hear those statistics you must be worried about or concerned about a whole group, a whole generation of new parents this year that have started this experience so differently. Yeah, most definitely. I think, you know, the the ideal that we have had set as a frame of reference, you know, in Australia as to what that birthing experience will be and also that we've set as a health industry up a belief that people need to sort of step through that model to be the best parents they can be, mm. which we believe, you know, yes, you need all of those supports in place and you need your health checks and all of those things. But we've also then had to sort of reverse engineer and say it's okay if you don't get a face-to-face visit at this time. It's okay if you're not doing this or that, Um, you know, to try and get people comfortable with a COVID world where they're not getting as much access to those things. I think it's it's difficult to kind of flip those models around um, and to manage people's expectations. And I think you're right in that, you know, the first wave of lockdown and for those not in Victoria, you know, this may not yet be such an issue, but for the first wave of lockdown, it felt a little bit novel and that people were just struggling together and collectively in a level space to deal with the ramifications and the changes to their day-to-day living um, and that for people who were pregnant or having a new baby, um, they had to navigate a space where there were kind of no rules all of a sudden. Um, what we're experiencing now with the second wave of shutdown in Victoria, which is where also the National Helpline is based, so our staff are also affected by this, um, is that, you know, people are now, as you said, very fatigued by this process and starting to get a little bit wary about when we will come out of this and will this ever, will the experience of um, the healthcare space in the perinatal period look the same Um, But also, you know, uh, uh, more focused on, hang on, what are we going to learn from this and how are we going to make it better and more responsive? Yeah, yes, hopefully there's great learnings from all of this. Mm. I think the biggest thing I've taken away from this conversation, and I'm so grateful, Julie, that you made time to speak to me, I I can only imagine what you have on your shoulders, is that, you know, I... To every conversation I ever have, I always want to bring deep compassion for the changes that a woman goes through as a mother, you know, well beyond the birth year. And Mm. that if we lead with that compassion of that she is in the middle of a massive transition within her life and herself, I feel that I have a new level of compassion for the dads too, to really acknowledge you know, it's interesting in so many years talking to mamas, there's often a little bit of resentment towards the fathers that they get to go to work every day. Off you go, mm-hmm. back to your job, nothing really changes. And I say that because they are the voices that I've heard for many, many years. There is this level of his life doesn't change. And I have a new understanding of that from this conversation that we also need to start being a lot more compassionate about the changes he's going through and change our conversations around what this means to be a dad just as much as we do for mums. So thank you. 
absolute pleasure. There was a lot of confronting information in that interview. The idea of just how many families are struggling right now through the beginning of what should be such a beautiful experience of new parenthood that COVID-19 has changed or taken away. It concerns me deeply how this might affect the future well-being of mums and dads. And so if you are a new parent this year or know of someone who has just experienced new parenthood, I want you to know that there is support there, that we will rally around you and support you through this transition, that we're going to do it differently and we won't allow this to just fade away. Post-pandemic depletion is real and we need to honour it. And beyond that, the insights into how our dads are going, how fathers feel about the massive identity shift as they become fathers is important for us to keep in mind. Really, it shows that the system doesn't work for anyone. The expectations we have on mum being all and dad doing it all doesn't work unless we begin to change the way we support them, honour them and value them. I hope that this conversation has sparked that compassion in you and if you know of a dad who needs a little bit of extra support, who's struggling in any way, or is even just a new dad and you want to see how he's going, please go to panda.org.au. There is a mental health checklist on there that's very important. You can also go to howsdadgoing.org.au and forward this podcast to anyone you think would benefit. Until next week, Satnam. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.